Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain. And as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first timer. I have never seen Doctor Who until I sat down to do this podcast. And now every week I watch a new episode and I get excited to talk to my expert, somebody that can make sense of what I'm watching and explain to me the ins and outs of Doctor Who because I am all in on this episode. I'm all in on this show. I am just giddy with excitement. And of course, if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, I've been getting to the end of season three or series three. So today we're covering series three, episode 13, The Last of the Time Lords. And I could not do an episode like this without continuing to talk to my dear friend, Eric Sweetman. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome back, it's very, sir. It's very nice to be here. It's a, such a wonderful uh, introduction. I appreciate that. Of course. And uh, it, it seems only fitting to talk to a dear friend about an episode in which the doctor seems to really be dealing with a weird dear friend of him. Like, there's some <laughs> there's some stuff going on. But before we jump there, dear Listener, if you have not by any, if you have for perchance not seen The Last of the Time Lords, now would be an excellent time to pause the podcast, go check out the show, and then come back because I assure you I will spoil you because uh, there's too many questions. I cannot avoid it. So this is your last chance. Pause the podcast now. Run. Run. <laughs> Run, yes. That's exactly something that the master would say to the doctor. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to skip around because this episode just kind of blew my mind. But the doctor really seemed, like, emotionally bothered by this in a way that I have not seen him bothered uh, since, uh, I think it was episode two, an episode that we discussed uh, where he got emotionally compromised when he was talking about the the time war. Mm -hmm. So what is going on? Is this, you know, is he basically attached to the master because he is the last of their race? Is he yeah. attached because of their friendship? What What is happening here? Well, I mean, they've been adversaries for a long, long time, but... Um... The fact is, they are like he. The doctor has viewed himself as the last time lord for quite some time. You know, he because of the time wars themselves, uh, he saw the the end of his civilization, the end of his people, the end of everything that uh, that he had come from, and whether they were all good experiences or bad experiences, they were still his people. It's like, uh, you know, you're living here in, in, uh, in Florida and yet say, you know, you're, you were born and raised in, in Argentina. What would happen if all of Argentina disappeared? If it was wiped off the face of the planet, there would be, I'm, I'm fairly certain there would be some sense of um, loss and mourning for that. Now, if you take that up to the entire planet, say, you know, everybody that you've ever known at all are gone. Everybody that you've ever loved or um, 
even had an argument in school, but every single person that you knew were gone, you're the last one, that sense of loneliness, that sense of, um, well, I live, so I must continue on, um, that's there, that, that's what he feels. And that this moment, it's the uh, this realization that he isn't alone. He doesn't have to be alone. And that's what the face of Bo mentioned, is like, you're not alone, and this is what that's about. That, uh, it, it was heartbreaking watching him, uh, and it, it was heartbreaking and in a, in a very human way. Uh, I found it a little difficult to understand why the doctor would feel so deeply about somebody that was like so hell bent and destroying him and like just dragging him through the mud. He wasn't just happy killing him. He had to like reduce him to, you know, a hundred year old and like 900 year old, right? Like, like (laughs) rub his nose in it kind of thing, you know? Right. Well, you know, there's, there's lots of those great adversarial roles throughout, uh, literature, fiction, and everything else. And the Doctor and the Master definitely stands on the same uh, pinnacle like Batman versus the Joker. You know, you're never going to have Batman kill off the Joker um, because he refuses to allow himself to cross that line. And the Joker is just doing pretty much everything he can to convince Batman to cross that line. Uh, you get that rivalry of uh, Superman and Lex Luthor. You get it. it there's always that great um, villain, that, that one's equal, one's uh, um, dark side, you know, that, that, that you know, the, the master is all that the doctor is except twisted. You know, the, uh, he doesn't have that. Um, that love or that protection uh, or the desire to protect uh, these other people. You know, he's focused entirely on himself. But that madness, um, you know, if, if the doctor would ever be able to, uh, you know, heal his friend, his, you know, they share so much history. But, uh, you know, it's like he could, if it was possible to save his friend, he would. If he could get that kid back that he knew before he gazed into the vortex, you know that, that they've been around together for so long. It's, they they could be the absolute best friends if one wasn't trying to kill the other. <laughs> yeah, I know that gets in the way of certain relationships, but, right? Uh, like I would yeah. be your friend if you weren't trying to kill me. Seems like an. <laughs> thing to happen uh, but I mean it, it it was just it was gutting to see the doctor have that feeling and yet I, I have a feeling uh, well we'll save that for later in the podcast uh, okay. go, jumping to <laughs> jumping to other stuff um, there's some conversations that have happened uh, with Jack that we've kind of glanced over in the past episodes, but uh, it really sort of comes into full fray here um, in that there, there's a discussion between the doctor and Jack about 
do you want this? Do you want this weird non-death thing that you have? And it seems like Jack is almost ready to say no, but at the same time, it's like he's getting accustomed to it. Right. So is the well, is the doctor really going to allow this quote unquote time anomaly? He's going to allow it to continue. Yes, the uh, um, mainly because he doesn't want to kill anything. He doesn't want to see something die, and even if it is a bit of an aberration, even if it's. Uh, um, the sense of something that isn't quite right, you kind of have to let things play out. You know, those are the, the fixed moments. The, the doctor likes to talk about the fixed moments in time. And there are things now that Jack has become as a fixed moment. You know, like you can't undo the event that caused him to become immortal because that affected so many other things. And the stuff that Jack does now as being part of Torchwood, that affects a great many things as well. So um, it's the figuring out what are the acceptable things to leave alone that, that he has caused. Um, and I think that's part of the, uh, the biggest challenge of time travel is always... Uh, are you the cause of certain events happening the way they did? Or are you trying to change history so that they don't happen at all? And what becomes the paradox? How do you avoid things from becoming uh, just destroying yourself? You know, how, how is this done? And yeah, we got to see with, uh, um, with the last episode, the paradox, machine that they had hooked into the TARDIS so that the things that happen can happen even if what they should have done um, because of what the uh, talk of fame are by doing by their very existence and by their actions that should have eliminated their own existence but there's the paradox machine that kept everything held together yeah, so uh, since you brought it up, let's talk about what okay. the taclophane, uh, it's basically all of those humans that boarded that spaceship that we saw, mm -hmm. you know, three episodes to ago to go to Utopia. And I'm guessing that they never made it to Utopia and that instead they got turned into these weird things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how all of it happened. Uh, yeah, we did not get to see that. And I will say that um, I don't recall them ever being brought back in the future. So their, you know, they, their existence is this moment. But, you know, they were people. And to have the human beings of a gazillion years from now coming back and killing off the human beings from today, they were killing their ancestors, therefore making it impossible for them to exist in the first place. And it's the paradox. Mm. I mean, yeah, this is where you start like hurting your brain when you start thinking about the, the inverse and the, uh, you know, again, time is, uh, uh, what is it? Timey Wimley. 
timey wimey we uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey wibbly wobbly <laughs> timey wimey uh, that that sentence always gets away from me <laughs> but it, it, you know it, it can it can start to hurt a little bit um but there's another facet to all of this which is Martha becoming this like heroic figure you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 legend of humanity like the hero of earth yeah yeah the uh the actions the the fact that she had to go ahead and do it you know this this is something that's been in her the entire time and yet she's been allowing herself to just feel um oh poor me he's still talking about rose he's still in love with rose he won't see me as who i am and when she finally puts that stuff behind her and it's like, I need to go out and raise awareness of the doctor. I need to tell the story. And by telling the story, gathering all this support and because it's Dr. Who, um, this kind of support as a, um, creates a, a psychic energy that is tangible that you can feel if you're somebody like the doctor or the master, you know, mm. it becomes a powerful way of, uh, you know, as everybody starts thinking about the doctor at the same time, then the plans of the master start unraveling. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's really impressive to see, uh, the performance, you know, that Martha, takes that kind of control and becomes that, uh, that beacon of hope for the world without ever actually, you know, there without doing anything concrete, you know, she's just going and talking to people, mm. which is, you know, it's funny, but the way that we look at how the world is that, oh, you need to be doing something. And she was, but it's not the, she didn't raise weapons against the stuff. She continued to, to walk. And I guess she still had the, uh, the TARDIS key on her so that she would be able to go all over the world and be unnoticed by those who would do her harm while she could, uh, then talk to the people that, uh, that she needed to help support this, this, uh, revolution. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how far Martha has come in the sense that, uh, you know, she starts, uh, at least in my opinion, she started off, uh, in a much stronger place than Rose did mostly because, well, she was more mature. So, Nothing against Rose, but maturity definitely helped Martha kind of uh, propel herself forward uh, in in this adventure through time and space in a way that, you know, it took Rose a little bit to get into. Now, clearly, mm-hmm. Martha hasn't absorbed the entire, you know, vortex or, you know, time vortex inside the TARDIS, so she doesn't gain any supernatural powers, but... That's even more impressive that without that, she's basically become like the 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 human's last hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. the legend of, you know, Martha travels across the world and what she's been doing 
in basically defeating these, uh, you know, this menace that has been uh, completely thwarting Earth for a year. Yeah, wiping out a tenth of the population quickly. You know, I don't know how many, how big of a percentage it was by the end of it. I don't know if it went beyond that that original 10%, but regardless, that's a huge number of people that they wiped off the planet. Well, and, and then the idea that in that year, the master has used his powers in, I'm guessing the, the Tecla Flame, the, I, I'm always going to mispronounce it. What are they called? <laughs> if I'm getting it correct myself, I think it's the, like the Tecla Fame. The Tecla Fame. Fane, F-A-N-E, Fane. Fane. Uh, so yeah. the the <laughs> the beings from the future uh, basically right. helped them build like gazillions of these missiles that they're going to use to basically launch an attack on every other system in the galaxy. Right, right. You know, to bring the attention to Earth that may not be there already, but do it in a very negative way. You know, it's like you might have a bone to pick with Levine or other aliens that might be here, but to just say, hey, come on, we're ready to fight everybody, that's something I don't think the Earth needs right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then on top of it, for her to resurge and to, to reappear with what seems like some pretty sweet alien tech. You know, the the idea that she has a gun that seems to have been developed by Torchwood and Unit? What is that all about? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny because I did just see this, but I thought, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since I watched that actual episode. And I, I wonder, like, it may have been more of a red herring, more of a distraction. Like, mm. yeah, maybe it was like, this is something that they knew wasn't going to work directly. Um, also because the doctor doesn't like guns. Uh, right. So, but like um, so, somehow, and I mean, we could see that the doctor was aware that Martha had basically gone unnoticed so that, Basically, Martha was his hope. Uh, and as always, you know, the doctor places his trust and his hope in in the right people. Uh, and she certainly follows through, but she takes her sweet time doing it, for starters, you know, a full year. Uh, but in that year, you know, her renown becomes so <laughs> well known. Uh, and to have paired up with the likes of uh, Torchwood and Unit to develop, you know, what is supposed to be a, a Time Lord killer uh, is pretty intense, which just shows you, you know, that while she is uh, well-equipped, she is definitely, uh, she she did not like, and, and we talked a little bit about this in last week's episode, she did not like the master going after her family. And seems to have taken it so personal that she decided, I'm going to end this guy. And I don't know how I'm going to do that because I know how 
incredibly uh, powerful uh, it, the doctor is, but I'm going to find that and I'm going to do everything within my power to do that. Uh, and so she teams up with these two pretty formidable alien fighting uh, organizations to create this thing that, you know, ultimately, yes, it does not get used, uh, sort of. But, you know, it, that that's some pretty heavy stuff there for Martha. Yeah, but it also shows more about her. Like, this is, like, I guess we can swing it on into her decision at the end was to leave, to not be... Um, waiting for the doctor anymore that she she had matured beyond that and realized that she didn't want to be that person but uh she had to care for her family and like this is the strength it's like the family that raised her those people needed her they needed and she as a doctor herself needed to protect them and uh um Sometimes those great sacrifices must be made. She had to give up being the doctor's companion in order to be there to heal her family. Mm. Well, and then there's, you know, there there's Jack once again, uh, you know, being himself and sort of coming in clutch and helping out uh, and ultimately, I guess, destroying the... Uh, the paradox machine, which reverts us back. And then <laughs> they have that moment where they talk about the year that never was, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, when this originally aired, it, it wouldn't have meant anything to anybody other than whatever it meant to the show and the characters in the show. For me, I was like, are we talking about 2020? Yeah, it feels really amazingly um, prescient of of this series to be able to give us something that fits so much right. like what we've just gone through. You know, we've they've lost their year back in uh, in two thousand seven. We've lost our year, um, well, last year and counting. Yeah, in twenty twenty, uh, and some people are still you know in that inside that paradox, I guess, but. Yeah. Uh, it just, it felt very personal at that moment. And I may have both let out a laugh and like felt the little tinge inside because, you know, it, it is funny, but it, it's also a painful reminder of the fact that, yeah, for a lot of us, you know, a year went by with virtually no change to our life other than all the time that we were given to spend with our loved ones, which, you know, for some, it was an absolute treat for others. It was absolute agony. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like, I'm sure what really happened in, in this version of earth where, you know, people were murdered, uh, people were being, uh, subjugated, uh, and they looked to somebody like Martha to save them while they cowered in hide and hiding and you know it it just it all felt a little too close to home uh but i was able to appreciate it for what it is but also the feelings it evoked in me were 
much more they they were much more present and much stronger than I had than what I had anticipated. <laughs> Nothing to add. <laughs> no, not really. I, I was trying to uh, scroll through um, the Wikipedia uh, details of the 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 plot of the episode mm. just to see what there might be that I would have forgotten <laughs> that you um, missed. Now there yeah. there is something I I did sort of stop myself because there are two things that happen in this episode, uh, very much towards the end that had me scratching my head uh, in excitement, but nevertheless, like, is, is that really, like, it, did they just insinuate what I think they insinuate? So let's let's deal with the master first. Okay. So the master seems to have this um, very Shakespearean end to him, and he dies in the arms of his... Arch nemesis, friend, fellow time lord, <laughs> right? Um, and and there's that you know moment like you see the doctor is is bothered by it, is emotionally bothered by it, and he asks him to regenerate, and he mm-hmm. refuses to regenerate. Is is that really a thing that the the Time Lords can just say, no, you know what? I don't want to regenerate. I'm just going to die. Like, they really can choose that? Uh, well, apparently, yes. You know, <laughs> and this doesn't contradict anything else, but it's the um, just that sense of, uh, like, he doesn't want to, to change. Um, he won't give uh, the doctor the satisfaction of saving his life. Um, and... I'm trying to think. We well, we'll see the same kind of thing at another point, you know, where this isn't a completely autonomous um, or autonomic response. You know, the way our hearts beat, very, very few people are able to consciously stop their heart from beating. Mm. Um. So I imagine this was quite a challenge for the the master to be able to um, prevent his his own regeneration, and I think that uh, um, I'm trying to think if this episode had already aired last season or when it will air. So I don't want to ruin things for you, <laughs> but there's more that goes into the decision of regeneration that or the refusal of it that isn't quite so um it just happens kind of thing mm. yeah because i mean yeah. it just seemed uh it, it's it, for a race that sort of has uh, seemingly the ability maybe not of immortality but the ability to uh have unnaturally long lives mm-hmm. uh, it seems quite interesting that you could also choose not to just despite the the other person. Like it just seems like a very weird way for the master to go is all I'm saying. True. And, um, it's, you know, it, 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 it gives a nice little 
tidy end to his uh, his reign of terror. Um, it makes the doctor realize that he has failed um, in all ways in regards to the master. You know, it's his whole point was to uh, um, reform him or to uh, to to make him a um, a sane member of society. Well, he he lost it. If he was hoping to have more time lords out in the world, that's not going to happen. You know, there's like this. The, everything that uh, that could have been good from the the master, he refused to allow it to happen. Yeah. You know, he only wanted to leave chaos in his wake, and um, if he couldn't destroy the doctor, or if he took too much time gloating about winning, because he had a year, a whole year to <laughs> destroy the doctor, and instead he just enjoyed uh, dragging it out and seeing him suffer every day to have the hope come and then get destroyed every single day, you know, and when you're 900 years old and feeling every minute of those 900 years, uh, it's amazing that, uh, that he could survive every single day. Well, and uh, also like it, it very much feels like that, you know, a cat, playing with its food before it finally, mm-hmm. you know, snaps the neck of the, of the mice and eats it kind of thing. Right. Uh, right. But if you uh, take too long, I mean, I've seen videos on YouTube where the mice just lay there, the cat gets distracted and the mice bolt because right. they're, they know how to play dead long enough. You know, oh yeah. Can... That, <laughs> that, and that's definitely what happened here is the exactly. the master overstayed his uh, his hand or overplayed his hand and ultimately got beat. Yeah. Um, but then there's yet one more thing. Well, there's still two more things. Uh, but okay. there, the next thing that this episode reveals that, or maybe it doesn't, but I want to ask is as as uh, he lets Jack go basically into the universe knowing that he's an anomaly that he does not fit what the time lords understand uh time and space and and presence and life to be and there's an illusion or a mention that insinuates that jack becomes the face of bo <laughs> It's a theory. It's a theory. And I say that because that's what Russell Davies said, that it's a theory of what could happen. Mm -hmm. But what could make it happen is the fact that Jack's immortality would allow him to see the end of the universe and watch it start again, over and over again. Mm. So the face of Bo, if that is where Jack goes, if that's what he becomes, then that's because he has lived through countless versions of our own reality to get to that point. Well, and in the few times that we see the face of Bo, uh, at one point it was mentioned that the face of Bo was very ancient. Yeah. And the the ninth doctor even says that he he's not quite sure how old the face of Bo really is. Right. 
So that would explain it. Well, he doesn't know because the face of Bo is not linearly old. He is unlinearly very old because he's lived so many so many yeah, instances of, of the same life. That, yeah, he has been, he has always been. You know, like there is a realm, like if you're looking at time instead of being a line, consider it a spool where your life is the thread on the spool that has a start and an end, but his wraps around that spool over and over and over again. So eventually... Yeah, he just swims around the spool. <laughs> he just never yeah. runs out. He's just a dot yeah. in the spool. So we know that he will die because, you know, at some point that is what will happen to the face of Bo. Well, um, and it only happens because he expends his energy, his life force, keeping all those people that were trapped in the tunnels of New, 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 New York keeping them alive. So like he ultimately, he dies a hero's death in that he sacrifices himself for the greater good of those humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that kind of thing. It's again, if he is Jack, then that sense of self-sacrifice, he learned from the doctor, you know, that sense of being better because when we first meet Jack, he is, um, he is a self-centered, cocky uh, son of a gun who, um, you know, he, he may be a time agent, but he is just really in it for himself. You know, there, there's uh, more of a um, mercenary well, the, feel and, about him. Yeah, and that was definitely the case the first time he runs into the doctor when we have the ninth doctor. Mm-hmm. But seemingly that interaction meant so much to him that when you know when when he basically reinstitutes the torchwood uh organization he you know in essence he does it you know to honor the doctor and to preserve the doctor and to fight alongside the doctor so right. you know uh, clearly the doctor meant, made a, a big impact in in his life and in, in the way he carries himself Absolutely. So there is so one more thing. And of course, if you're catching this, go uh, ahead. well, I mean, it, I'm going to talk about it and it's the end, uh, but I'm going to leave it for the very end because it, it has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Uh, very much like the runaway bride had nothing to do with that episode where she first appears, uh, but everything to do with what happens next. So I'll leave that for the end of the episode, but did I miss anything? Was there something else that I should have gleamed onto that will come back in future series? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Um, you know, they burn the, the master's body. Yeah, very it, much in a Darth Vader way. Viking kind of uh, send-off. Um, you remember what happened after that? I don't. Remember the woman picking up the ring? Oh, yes. Very uh, very Ming, uh, Ming the Merciless Ming style. The Merciless, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, that's something that I had thought of before as well. Uh, but keep that in mind that uh, that action 
mm. will be uh, readdressed in the future. You know, that, that certainly Or the will. past. Um, time is linear. Is Time is not linear. <laughs> I'm going to still say uh, the future because okay. um, I feel like uh, it stays in that timeline, you know, from that, that form of the present. You know, mm. it's also in a future episode, but it's all, you know, I don't think it's, you know, that person who has the ring can't go backwards in time. Mm. Well, I, I can't wait to find out. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's a big, important one. <laughs> that's a big, um, important one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, let's see. The, no, the, uh, the realization for Martha that she's got to move on is, uh, that's big. The idea that, uh, Jack can now continue with Torchwood and just, you know, he likes his team. He's got a good relationship working with those guys. Um, and it was, you know, for most of that series existence, it was really fun. I just wish that they, um, like the first two seasons or series were great. And I kind of wish they continued that feel of it a little bit longer. The fourth one gets very dark and um, the fifth one is just, well, they, they did a crossover with uh, an American production company and it's not nearly as um, well put together as the, uh, mm. the, the first ones. And, um, do, will they continue to sort of tie back to Doctor Who? Will they have more crossovers? Um, yeah, they. I think they'll have a little bit of that. They won't. Uh, the last two seasons don't that I recall at all. There's no connection there. Um, but the uh, um, the first two series do have more of a uh, um, an interaction. Um, certainly at the, the end, you know, the big crossover kind of stuff that you'll get at the end of the episode or the end of the series. All right. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to, uh, to get some TARDIS tidbits, uh, cause I, I have a feeling that we're going to get some really interesting stuff here. So Ashley, why don't you take it away? Ashley's tidbits. This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for series three, episode 13. The Last of the Time Lords. The face of Bo. We finally know the identity of the Doctor's mysterious friend. And an explanation for Captain Jack not being able to die and what could ultimately happen to him as he ages. Apparently, John Berriman wasn't aware of the revelation of Jack being the face of Bo until very, very late into production. In the scene where Jack reveals to Martha and the doctor that he was called the face of Bo as a child, several people can be seen in the background taking pictures at the location of the famous Torchwood Rift in Cardiff. Right before Martha decides not to travel with the doctor anymore, he mentions that they should go back and meet Agatha Christie. Hmm, it's a good idea. And despite the original concept of having a Time Lord regenerate only 13 lives, this episode presents the Master's 17th life, due in part to his many schemes that have prolonged his life past that normal limit. Also, we learn that it's more of an act of will than biology for Time Lords to regenerate. 
And finally, one last teaser. Remember in Blink, we talked about a white Starline sticker on the back of one of the notebooks? Hmm. And now the bow of a ship crashes through the TARDIS. And a life preserver saying the Titanic is on it. I wonder what this means. Spoilers. What it means is he crashed into the Titanic? The TARDIS caused the Titanic sinking? Oh, you'll just have to watch the episode. <laughs> that that was... That I, I had a feeling Ashley was going to say something because I've been talking about my... You know, I have so many passions, and if you've been listening, dear listener, for from the beginning, you know that I have a huge affinity for Titanic. So when it was brought up very early in Series 1, it sort of pinged at me. It was one of the many sort of hooks or tendrils that the show got into me. So for that thing to happen at the end of this episode... Uh, it had me jumping out of my seat in excitement uh, at the idea that the doctor is going to have something to do with Titanic and we're going to see it. He's not just going to save a family <laughs> from it, but that we're going to see him have something to do with Titanic. So that that had me all sorts of excited. That's funny. <laughs> but I thank you so much for joining me. And I know these three episodes are uh, <laughs> they were very troubling for me to get through because there's so much that it feels like I should understand of the episodes um, because clearly uh, the, these three episodes felt like uh, out of everything that I watched so far, they're the three that feel most like they were absolutely playing with the previous doctor and stuff that has happened to the previous doctors that I have not seen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one is one that will make you go, Hmm, maybe I should watch all those really old things. The, uh, you know, episodes from the seventies, early eighties, you know, that kind of stuff, just to figure out what's going on. <laughs> well, at, at, at the very least, uh, whether, you know, you, dear listener, uh, or even myself, uh, whether you watch it or not, uh, what I appreciated is that it definitely deepened the entire world of Doctor Who and the mythos behind it, uh, and it made me even more excited for what may be to come. So I can't wait to you know get into next week's episode, especially since, at the very least... We're going to start with the bow of Titanic <laughs> busting through the TARDIS, which the, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, the TARDIS gets busted up by the Titanic, so that's pretty darn awesome. But yeah, thank you well, for joining me in this uh, journey, Eric. That it's been it's been a fun ride. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here, and I. Uh... Look forward to uh, the the next time that I get to travel on your uh, in your TARDIS to check <laughs> out the uh, new the the first episode of the new season. Not counting the the Voyage of the Damned coming up uh, for your next episode, the Christmas episode. I I should have known by just the title, but yeah. So we'll definitely see you back uh, as it's become tradition here in the podcast. Eric was with me on episode one. 
So Eric will be with me for every episode one of every series. Uh, so I look forward to chatting you, uh, chatting with you very soon. It'll just be in two weeks. Cool, cool. Partners in Crime will be our episode. I can't wait for it. And uh, cool. for you, dear listener, I can't wait for you to let me know what you think. Let me know what you liked or didn't like about the series what you liked or didn't like about the master uh, do you like the idea that the face of Bo is Jack uh, do you subscribe to that theory I, I like that idea I think it'll be uh, I think it's great if that is truly to be his fate especially the way we discuss it here but uh, please go to the website firsttimelord.com and leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about this episode or the last three episodes or any other episode that we've covered so far. Uh, any and all feedback is greatly appreciated. Now, while you're at the website, firsttimelord.com, if you feel like you want to help us out financially, we've got a merch store with some pretty cool iPhone cases and T-shirts, uh, of which I'm still sporting. I did wash it last week, but I'm sporting it again this week because, uh, you know, better represent. Um, so you can do that. Uh, if uh, merchandise is not your thing, but you still want to financially support the show so that we can pay for hosting and all the things that go with it, uh, you can click on the link on our website, firsttimelord.com, that will take you to Patreon. And you can subscribe to the show through Patreon and be supportive that way. Or most importantly, just... Share the show. Find somebody like me that was on the fence, hadn't watched Doctor Who. Share the episodes with them. Say, hey, listen to this guy. Watch the show. It's on HBO Max here in the States. Go nuts. Have fun. Doctor Who is something that has definitely made me better. But now I better jump into my TARDIS and uh, <laughs> head into Titanic. Let's go, everybody. Let's go.